Hi, you're listening to Him We Proclaim. We're in a series that is asking, where in the church is the gospel? John's passion is that the gospel be the central teaching in the church and that all elements of a service point to the gospel. And today we're looking at worship. John shares that Jesus' perfect work makes it possible for believers to come confidently to the Father so that he hears our prayers and our worship. Let's listen now to this teaching called Remembering Jesus is the Primary Worship Leader. Here's part two. When have you ever, if ever, made the connection between the Trinity and corporate worship and its implications? Let me tell you what a Trinitarian conception of worship does. A Trinitarian conception of corporate worship has a two-way movement. The first movement is from God to humanity, God to us. That is that he sends the Son, God the Father, from the Father through the Son by the Spirit. That's how it works. For God the Father so loved the world that he sent his only Son. Jesus, throughout the Gospel of John, I have been sent by my Father. I am going to send the Holy Spirit. He will testify of me and my work. And when he testifies of me and my work, I will send you to the Father and reveal him to you. From the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, corporate worship can occur. The second movement is in reverse order. Humanity back to God. We, by the Holy Spirit, through the mediatorial work of Jesus, who is our defense attorney and advocate, pleading our case before the Father, don't kill him. He's beloved as me now. By the Holy Spirit, through the Son, we come back to the presence of the Father safely. God to us, us back to God. Gospel first, response second. This is how the, this is how the whole life of a Christian operates. This is why it has everything to do with how you wake up on Monday morning, how you pursue your job, during the week, how you parent your children. Jeffrey Myers, he says, where though is the evidence in our churches of the reality that every Lord's day, the congregation is being led by the Spirit to the Son and to the Father's presence? Is anybody even aware that that's happening? Are our prayers consistent with this reality, both in form and content? Do we pray to the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit? Do we make this explicit and routine so that the congregation can be trained in orthodox habits of prayer that will endure? It's the order of our approach to God. How we conduct corporate worship. Going from one thing to the next. Is that order consistent with the triune God's service to us? You see, true worship is dependent upon Christ's incarnation. How many of you have ever taken the gospel, the incarnation, the gospel, and connected its implications to how we do corporate worship? Even thought about it. It has everything to do with it. Let me explain. In the incarnation, the eternal son added humanity to his deity, and he became the man, Christ Jesus. 
First Timothy chapter two, verse five, Paul writes, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. As our mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, listen carefully, Jesus offers himself as a true man like you and me before the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, and he does it as a representative man. He does it on our behalf. He became a man to live as a man on this earth on our behalf living the kind of life before the Father in response to the Father the way we should every day of our life, but don't. Jesus is our mediator. He is our high priest, perfectly offering himself in our place as a real true man to the Father on our behalf. He's our mediator. Let me give you an example. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, the author of Hebrews says, In the days of his flesh, that is the incarnation, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him, God the Father, who was able to save him from death. And here's the key. And he was heard because of his reverence as a true man worshiping God out of reverence he was heard do you know why your prayers are heard as a Christian your prayers are heard because Jesus' prayers were heard first because of his reverence and now that you're united to Jesus who's your mediator he presents your prayers to the Father, even though they're bad. The same thing happens in your corporate worship. Your worship is acceptable to the Father because Jesus' worship on your behalf as a perfect man worshiped for you during the incarnated state of his life in the days of his flesh. Listen to what Reggie Kidd says about that. He says, The how in corporate worship is not as important as the who. J.B. Torrance challenged a generation of theology students to repent of Unitarian worship and embrace Trinitarian worship. What does he mean by that? Well, here, listen. According to Torrance, you know your worship is Unitarian, even if you label it Christian. You know it's Unitarian, even with the Christian label, if your worship is about various techniques of experiencing God on your own. You know your worship is Trinitarian if your worship is about Jesus, who is your elder brother, your great high priest, who alone draws you into the eternal communion of love that has always characterized God's own life as loving father, beloved son, and Holy Spirit, who is love itself. So we have a wrong conception of God as Trinity. God as Trinity is not a theoretical speculation. He's an eternal being who exists in great happiness and love, giving and receiving reciprocal love. And he wants to pour that over into us. And how does that happen? Through the gospel, by the Holy Spirit. God's love, Paul says, has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. 
And so at the heart of the church's worship, listen, at the heart is the mediatorial priesthood of Christ, his intercession as the perfect man. Jesus is the one true worshiper. Look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 2, if you have your Bible. I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 2. The author in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 2 says that Jesus, who has ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father, listen to what he says about him. He says that this ascended Jesus at the right hand of the Father serves as a minister. If you take notes in your Bible, highlight it or underline it. As a, he serves as a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Do you know what the word minister comes from? It comes from the Greek word leitorgos. You know, you know what the English word is that we get from that Greek word? It is liturgy or liturgist. It is the church's worship leader. Literally, the author of Hebrews refers to Jesus as the church's primary liturgist, the church's primary worship leader. It is common today to hear musicians and vocalists in the church referred to as the church's worship leaders or vocalists referred to as the lead worshipers in the church. I think in some instances, this worship leader designation has become too significant. Listen to what Gordon McDonald writes about that. I'm looking at young people who are going out trying to seek and find a church to, to be a part of. He says, quote, For many young people choosing a church, worship leaders have become a more important factor than preachers. Mediocre preaching may be tolerated, but an inept worship leader can sink things fast. He's exactly right. We have to first and foremost come to grips with the gospel truth that Jesus is the church's principal worship leader. It's what Hebrews 8 calls him. This is his function. This is how he serves the church. And John 17, 4, listen, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. That's worship. That's a perfect life lived before the presence of God by the Holy Spirit. Jesus as a representative man is the lead worshiper before the Father by the Holy Spirit. We so often want to defend the deity of Christ that we overlook his humanity in the Gospels. But Jesus primarily conducted his miracle ministry in the Gospels by the power of the Holy Spirit as a perfect man. And by the Holy Spirit, we are graciously granted communion with the Son who presents us to the Father, our worship leader. The only reason we can come safely and confidently into the presence of God, whom Hebrews twelve twenty nine says, is a consuming fire. The only reason we can come safely before our God who is a consuming fire and not be utterly consumed is because Jesus is our worship leader going before us to the Father in our name. Leading our worship. He is our mediator. He is our high priest representing us, remembering us to the Father. Listen to Hebrews 7 verses 24 through 25. He, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. 
Consequently, because he continues forever and holds this priesthood forever, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Why? Since he always lives to make intercession for them. You know what Jesus lives for? You know, what do you live for? Well, I'll tell you what Jesus lives for, to intercede for sinners, to save them. He lives for that. Listen to Exodus 28. This is where Hebrews 7 comes from. In the old covenant, which was the Mosaic covenant, the Levitical high priest wore two pieces of clothing. He wore an ephod. That's Exodus 28, verses 6 through 12. And he wore a breastplate. It's called a breast piece of judgment. Exodus 28, 15 through 30. Just to describe it, the ephod was a colorful linen torso garment, and it was held together by a a woven waistband. And on each shoulder of the ephod, it had an onyx stone on either side. And God tells Moses that the names of the 12 sons of Israel were to be engraved on the two onyx stones. So on one onyx stone, there were six names, and on the other onyx stone, there were six names. And they were all according to their birth. And then in chapter 28, verse 12, the Lord says to Moses, listen carefully. You shall put the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of memorial for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. Remember that Passover memorial, God remembering you. Aaron is a high priest going into the presence of God, bearing the names of the sons of Israel, reminding God, here are your people. And then the Levitical high priest also wore a breastplate. The breast piece of judgment had four rows, and they had three precious stones of jewels on each row on his chest. And each of the jewels that were on his chest had engraved the name of one of the tribes of Israel. So each precious jewel had a name of the tribe of Israel on his heart. And listen to Exodus 28, 29. The Lord says to Moses, Aaron shall carry the names of the sons of Israel in the breast piece of judgment over his heart when he enters the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. In each case, the ephod and the breastplate indicated in the Old Covenant that the high priest Aaron is to act as the people's representative in order to bring them safely before the Lord who remembers them. Every day, the high priest was to offer sweet-smelling incense, Exodus 30, 7 through 10, before the Lord in the tabernacle in the temple. He did this, he offered this sweet-smelling incense while wearing over his heart the breastplate under which was fixed those 12 jewel stones engraven with the names of the tribes of Israel. And this high priest would be offering intercession in the presence of the Lord with the people of God symbolically on his heart. You know what the point of the author of Hebrews is saying in Hebrews 7 when he, as he reflects on Exodus 28? You know what he's saying? Jesus, 
who has completely fulfilled the shadows of the whole old covenant priesthood, who is now the great high priest because he has made the one perfect sacrifice and has been seated at the right hand of the Father. This perfect high priest who is acting on our behalf is our representative and he brings us safely before the Lord as a memorial. But the difference is that our names are not engraved on clothing and on stones. They're engraven on his hands and in the scars that he bore on the cross. Representing us safely before God. Isaiah says, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Our names are written into Jesus' flesh. The scars that he bears for eternity, his side, his hands, his feet, his brow from the thorns represent us before a holy God who's a consuming fire and you're safe. You are loved. You are a beloved adopted son because Jesus is worshiping for you. He is our worship leader. He is our mediator. He is our high priest. He forever serves as a memorial before the Father on your behalf. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he unites you with faith to this perfect mediator. And you're safe. He lives to make intercession. What does that mean? He lives to remember you before the Father If anyone sins, what do we have? An advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He lives for this. His prayers like incense, his worship, his obedience, his devotion, his whole life is a perfect sacrifice that rises up to God like a sweet-smelling sacrifice in the temple, pleasing to the Father By the power of the Holy Spirit, he accomplished this. He lives to remember not only us to the Father, but he lives to remember the Father to us. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. The author quotes Psalm 22, 22, and he attributes the service in this passage to Jesus. The service that is attributed in Psalm 22, 22 is given to Jesus I will proclaim your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Jesus brings the Father to us and proclaims the name of the Father to us. And he sings the praises of his Father to us. We get to hear a glimpse of what it has been like for all eternity for God the Father to love his son and for the son to respond and love his father. And Jesus comes to reveal that in the midst of the congregation every Sunday. He is our worship leader. He goes to the father in our name and he comes to us in the father's name. Philip said to Jesus, okay, Jesus, we've seen you. That's great. Now let's show us the father. And Jesus, Philip, have you been with me so long? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What is the Father like? Go home and read the Gospels today. And there you'll see him through Jesus, perfectly revealed. God the Father so loved the world that he sent his only unique son to make himself known in love to his people. Listen to John 17, verses 25 through 26. 
Oh, righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these you have sent me. I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known because he lives to intercede for sinners. And the reason he continues to make the father's name known to us is so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. That is one of the most striking statements I think I've ever come across. The same love that the father has for the son. Jesus says, I have revealed father your name to them so that the love with which you have loved me will be in them. The father loving you as much as he's always loved the son is why Jesus came. This is unbelievable. That's a good worship leader, isn't it? I wish we could hire him next week, but we can because we have it every week here. If we're faithful, faithful to the ministry of word and sacrament, this happens every week. So Jesus is our high priest, is our mediator, is our worship leader, has everything to do with our corporate worship. Without that, there is no Christian worship. We cannot forget that in a covenant renewal ceremony, that's corporate worship on Sunday morning, the divine service, whatever you want to call it. The principal thing to understand is that we come to church to acknowledge God in Christ is remembering me. He is remembering me. He is holding true to his covenant promises. And that is what causes me in turn to respond with obedience and trust and repentance and faith. We come to acknowledge that Christ, our worship leader, Christ, our mediator, Christ, our high priest, always lives to bring me safely in him to the Father by the Holy Spirit, where I receive nothing but blessing, goodwill, and favor forever and ever and ever. That's why we come to church. So you can hear that every single week. Jesus lived our life, died our death, underwent our burial, and then rose again to bring us back to him so he could take us before the Father, just like the stone jewels on the heart of the Levitical high priest did in the Old Covenant. This is remarkable. And so we come to have this gracious covenant renewal ceremony. We come to receive this. And so look, the logic of the worship is paramount, important. How we do things, the proper order of things, we gather to receive from God and then we respond with thankful hearts of gratitude. Gospel first, gratitude second. Divine service first, human service responds second. Grace first, works second. Never works, then grace. Never. If it's works, then grace, you're not a Christian. You do not have Christian worship. The emphasis of corporate worship is first on God's gracious acts of service to needy sinners. And I will confess that I'm a needy sinner. I've got to hear it every week. We come to church to acknowledge God is remembering us in Christ by the Spirit. We come to hear the words, as I said last week, 
of Psalm 115, verse 12, fulfilled and renewed over and over again, the Lord has remembered us and he will bless us. And when I hear that, and when I begin to believe that and have that driven like a stake deep into me, I will respond like the psalmist in Psalm 119, verses 15 and 16. I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. But I'll only do that with a pure heart of gratitude. If I first hear God's service to me, I remembered you and I will bless you because I have blessed you in Christ. And I'll continue to bless you in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit week after week. So the fundamental purpose of the corporate Sunday service is to receive by faith Christ's gracious service in Christ. And then respond with thanksgiving in union with Christ, praising the living triune God. And that's what corporate worship is. Thanks, John. That's a message called Remembering Jesus is the Primary Worship Leader, Part 2. More from Where in the Church is the Gospel, coming up next time. The heart of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. With each message, our prayer is you would hear, believe, and enjoy the gospel in your life. If you want to re-listen to or share any of these messages, you can find our smartphone app or locate our podcast by searching for Dr. John Fonville or Him We Proclaim. Him We Proclaim is the broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to learn more about his local church in Jacksonville, Florida, you can visit ParamountChurch.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.